In a breaking scandal of titanic proportions, a 2002 interview has come to light in which Vice President Mike Pence says he will not dine alone with a woman who is not his wife and does not go to events where alcohol is served unless his wife is present. The left erupted with outrage at the news that Pence took steps to avoid being unfaithful to the woman he loves. Some compared Pence to a Muslim, though being a Muslim is, of course, fine. But Pence is worse. Not to say Muslims are bad, but something, something, something. As one Twitter leftist put it, quote, it's very important that I comment angrily on the personal lives of people I dislike. Otherwise, I'd have to confront the fact that my own life is a meaningless vortex of anger and loneliness that compels me to spread the same leftist values that have made me so terribly, terribly unhappy, unquote. Feminists, of course, were particularly bitter and outraged about the remark. They were also bitter and outraged before the remark, during the remark, and after the remark. As prominent feminist commentator Shrilly Miserable told the cats in her partially furnished studio apartment, quote, It's offensive to women to think that just because one of us sits down to have dinner with Mike Pence, she would want to run her hands through his authoritative silver hair and gaze deeply into his steely brown eyes while sort of accidentally touching his muscular calf with her stocking foot and confessing that sometimes she secretly secretly wishes some powerful man would come along and rescue her from the drab emptiness of her own misguided philosophy, unquote. Journalists also joined what NPR called the, quote, Mike Pence misogyny debate. The journalists felt the conversation wasn't quite as stupid and shallow as it could be, and they were sure the opinions of journalists would fix that problem right up. The website Vox ran an article saying it was illegal for Pence not to dine alone with women. I'm not making that up. And Cosmopolitan's website ran an article mocking Pence just one day after they posted a confessional piece by a, quote, side chick. That is the girl who is sleeping with your husband because he didn't follow the rules laid down by Mike Pence. And of course, we all remember how the media celebrated Bill Clinton's, quote, complicated love story after Clinton whitewashed his marriage of infidelity and sexual harassment during his convention speech last year. Well, those same venues attacked Pence for being, quote, a puritanical, latent womanizer. That profoundly meaningless phrase comes from Slate, which is called Slate because you have to be as dumb as a paving stone to read it. The issue, for those of you who can't figure out why there even is an issue, is that Pence acknowledges the truth about human nature and takes steps to ensure he does what's right instead of What's wrong when you're a leftist feminist standing out in the cold wearing a stupid pink hat after voting for a woman who helped intimidate her husband's harassment victims into silence? That can make you feel kind of bad about yourself. Maybe it's just the hat. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are ringing, also singing, hunky-dunky-dunky. Shape dipsy topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray! It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray! Oh, hooray, hooray! <laughs> All right, uh, we have uh, best-selling cultural correspondent and troll supremo Michael Knowles is coming on to discuss just how very, very much the left loves science and supports science. And we're going to talk some more about Mike Pence and some news that's just breaking. Before that, I want everybody who is watching this program or listening to this program to take a look in the mirror and ask yourself the question, would you let that person operate a piece of heavy machinery? Of course not. People who listen to The Andrew Clavin Show are 90% more likely to drift into states of Vedic bliss, which makes it impossible to drive a car, and that's why you want to get Lyft. Lyft is an app, L-Y-F-T. It's an app. You just download it. 
compress it. You can get a car at your house in just a few minutes. And this is different than the, the competitor, the, than, the blah, 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 than the competition, because Lyft puts safety absolutely number one. Every driver is fully vetted through a 10-point safety standard, including third-party criminal and DMV background checks. So you get a Lyft that is creep free. You don't have to worry about being safe and comfortable. The vehicles have to pass a 19-point vehicle inspection, and Lyft even has an industry-leading insurance plan, which protects you the moment your Lyft driver picks you up. And Lyft offers a better experience, because you know why? You can tip the driver in the app. That is innovative, and it makes your guy happier. And that's also why Nine out of 10 lift rides get a perfect five-star rating because you get a happy, safe, creep-free experience. And Lyft has a new AMP device, which uses a color-coded system so you can easily find the right car and you don't have to say your name to your driver through a cracked window. It's all designed to get you where you need to go a, without letting someone like you drive a car, which, let's face it, is a disaster, and B, gets you there safely and pleasantly. Right now, Lyft is offering our listeners a special deal for new users. Get three free rides, up to $10 each. I don't even know why I have to sell people on this stuff if they're giving it away. Three free rides for up to $10 each. That's up to a $30 value when you enter the promo code in your app, Clavin, K-L-A-V-A-N. K-L-A-V-A-N. You got to spell it right to get the promo code. Just download the free Lyft app today and enter promo code Claven in the payment section. You'll start with three free rides up to $10 each. That's up to a $30 value. That's promo code Claven. That's promo code K-L-A-V-A-N in Lyft, L-Y-F-T. All right. So before we get to what I, wa- I really want to talk about, I have to just talk about this breaking news that was happening as I was driving into work. Uh, White House lawyers, it's now been revealed that White House lawyers have discovered over the weekend, I wrote this piece called Obama Spied Media Lied. It's now featured on Real Clear Politics. I wrote it for my PJ Media blog, Clavin on the Culture. But it's just about the fact that this whole Trump and the Russian story is falling apart. Adam Schiff, who has been casting about these McCarthyite accusations, is now admits they don't have any evidence that Trump colluded with the Russians. But this thing about Obama surveilling Trump is really coming together. It's really becoming a big story. And the latest part of the story is is that former national security advisor Susan Rice, and we all remember Susan Rice, she's the one who went on five morning talk shows on Sunday and lied about Benghazi not being a terrorist attack, right? And then they kind of threw her under the bus because it wasn't us who lied, it was Susan Rice. Rice has now been asking, it's now been shown that Rice was asking to unmask people who had been caught up in surveillance. American citizens caught up in surveillance of foreigners, their names are supposed to be masked. Apparently, Susan Rice was contacting the NSA and asking them to unmask these things. So obviously, that was so the news could leak and she could send all this stuff to the press. And what's... What is interesting about this is it also gets Devin Nunes off the hook. If you remember Devin Nunes, they were saying, why did he have to go to on the White House grounds to get this material? Well, it was in the NSA computers, probably, where Susan Rice was making these requests. And I just want to play. We'll have to talk about this more tomorrow if we can. But I I want to get on to other things because this news is just breaking. But before I stop, I just want to point out that Susan Rice was asked about this stuff by Judy Woodruff not that long ago. Let's play this cut. In the last few weeks, the New York Times has reported that in the final days of the Obama administration, uh, individuals went out of their way to spread information throughout the government about what they knew about uh, intelligence, uh, that the Russians had interfered uh, in the election last year, and that there may have been a connection with Trump 
campaign officials. So that story's now been out there for several weeks. Could there be a connection here? I'm not aware of any connection. I had read the New York Times story. I must say Judy is uh, one of the most senior White House officials and the most senior responsible for national security. I found that report a bit uh, perplexing. I was not aware of any orders given to disseminate that kind of information. Well, was there having, a- I, So I have no idea whether that was the case. Well, that, <laughs> that sounded almost like a bald-faced lie to me, you know? <laughs> Is bald-faced going too far? Is that, you, know, you know, I always, I just love in this administration that Trump says wiretap instead of surveilled, and the lead is he lied. He lied. You know, it was Walter. But the, the Obama people, they just lie. They just they lie. And nobody ever says it. They're just lying. So there's going to be more on that coming down the pike. All right, I got, I got to talk just a little bit more about this Mike Pence thing, because this is absurd. This is the way, you know, they make it say, first of all, if he were a Muslim doing it, nobody would say a word. If he were a an Amish doing it, nobody would say a word. <clears throat> the fact that he's a Christian who wants to protect his marriage, he called it a zone of protection around his marriage. This is a big deal. First of all, I think, why is it anybody's business the way the guy runs his marriage and keeps himself safe? And second of all, why do we have to ignore the fact that men, especially powerful men, get a lot of opportunities? Men, Powerful men get a lot of opportunities, A, and B, men are susceptible to seduction like, you know, kind of like water is susceptible to running downhill. So like he's just, all he's doing is acknowledging the truth of this. And what the, the point I want to make today, the thing I want to talk about today is how radical the left is and how much the press and the narrative tries to teach us that that radical, destructive idea they have of what people are like, what men and women are like, what the what Supreme Court justices are like and what they should they should do, how radical it is and how everything they do is meant to convince us that this is the norm. It should be normal for a man. You know, why, why does he have to be this, you know, jihadi Christian who won't even sit down with a woman, well, you know, he's just acknowledging the truth about the way men are and the way women are and the way things go. You know, why is that so difficult? Why do we have to all lie to make the left feel better? And they, it's always the same argument. Well, it's not fair. It's not fair that a guy can go out with Mike Pence and sit around and have a couple of drinks with him and kind of, you know, solidify his relationship with the boss, but a woman can't do that. It's not fair. It's true. It's not fair. But on the other hand, it's not fair when you have guys like Bill Clinton sleeping with every woman in sight and using their power to intimidate people and possibly rape people, that, that seems a lot less fair to me. And it seems unfair to, to women that these, these poor political wives constantly have to stand there with that stupid smile on their face, standing by their men while their men cheat on them every other day. You know, so Mike Pence is doing a decent thing. He's ensuring that he does the decent thing. Why is that so difficult? You know, there was an article in the New York Times that it actually bowled me over that it was in the, not that nothing what was in it, but the fact that it was in the New York Times about the fact that the young people hold more traditional views, like millennials, young millennials hold more traditional views about what a good marriage looks like than older people, than people in that generation that got uh, sideswiped by feminism and talked into this idea that men and women were the same and everything should be the same and everything should be egalitarian. Now, because it's in the Times, they use the term egalitarian, but You just have to override that for a minute and listen to what is actually being said. The proportion of young people holding egalitarian views about gender relationships, pardon me, 
grows steadily from 1977 to the mid-1990s, but has fallen since. In 1994, only 42% of high school seniors agreed that the best family was one where the man was the main income earner and the woman took care of the home. In 2014, 58% of seniors said they prefer that arrangement. That is a big jump. That's 16%. In 1994, fewer than 30% of high school seniors thought the husband should make all the important decisions in the family. By 2014, nearly 40% subscribed to that premise. In 1994, 83% of young men rejected the superiority of the male breadwinner family. By 2014, that had fallen to 55%. In other words, in other words, Nature thrown out the door comes back in through the window. You know, this is, you know, they propose, they batter these, they batter these young men and these young women with this false view of what makes people happy and what works in a family. I mean, listen, I, I don't mean to be shallow, but look at women. They're made for doing a certain thing. They are created for doing a certain thing, and it's fulfilling to do that thing. It doesn't mean there can't be other things in a woman's life. It doesn't mean there's not a point after you raise children where you can't go off and do other things, but it's like it's not in men's nature to do that stuff, and it is in men's nature to protect and to provide. And so, so like, it's just they're, they're selling us this radical stuff, and then when you say that's radical, and it's destructive, and it makes people unhappy, and it makes children unhappy, and, you know, it, then they tell you that you're the bad guy, that there's something terribly, terribly wrong with you. And, you know, this is something that is standard in all cultures. Every single culture, every single culture has a division between women's work and men's work. And women have always worked. They've always worked really hard. They just do different work. And so when somebody says, you know, well, why aren't there more women in you know, the sciences? And why, why aren't there more women in math? It's like, Every single culture for all of time has had this division. They are the radical ones. We're going to have to break and leave uh, Facebook and YouTube. And then we will, when we come back, we will have the all-powerful troll Michael Knowles. We, I, at this point, I just feel it's a privilege that this guy has come out from under the bridge where he's getting the Billy Grof, Goat's gruff to come over and join, join our show. And, and he has news, too. He, bring, we, he brings insane news. Oh, he always brings insane news. But first, we have to talk about Stamps.com. I love Stamps.com because everything in my life is about not getting caught on a line. Every single thing. I mean, I live in L.A. I'm almost never on the freeways. I mean, I would walk before I get on the freeways because the freeways are always jammed up. And I would rather take more time to get somewhere and keep moving. You know, I just want to keep moving. And that's why, as much as I love the post office, I don't like to go to the post office because there's always a line. And you can't get there 24 hours a day. I mean, I, that, I don't sleep at all, so I do stuff 24 hours a day. With stamps.com, you get stamps delivered right to your computer. You can print them right out of your computer, right onto an envelope, right onto a label, any way you want to do it. And it's just like having a post office in your home. It's easy. It's convenient. You don't have to depend on the post office to be there. You don't need one of those gizmos. I keep trying to describe these gizmos. I can I can never remember what they're called. These those. Uh, oh, I don't know what they. What are they called? Doesn't anybody? Know? You know why nobody knows? Because stamps.com has made them irrelevant. That's why nobody knows. You've, everybody's forgotten. But they used to be these tremendous heavy things that you had in a business to print out your stamps to get your stamps. It was just huge. And if you dropped it on your foot, you were a goner. But stamps.com, you do it all from your computer. It's it really is so much easier and so much more flexible and convenient. Right now, you. You can enjoy stamp service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage 
and a digital scale without long-term commitments. That means you don't have to leave your house to weigh the stuff that you're mailing. You know how much stamps you need. So go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Clavin, K-L-A-V-A-N. I keep doing this because people misspell it. It's K-L-A-V as in Victor A-N. That's stamps.com. Enter Clavin. Stamps.com. Enter Clavin and never go to the post office again. We got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Come on over to thedailywire.com and listen to the rest of the show or subscribe. Subscribe for a lousy eight bucks a month and you can watch the show right at the site. So talking about the radicalism of the left, we have to bring this into the Neil Gorsuch confirmation hearing, obviously Trump's nomination for the Supreme Court. Just comparing the arguments of the left and the right on this. Here's Donald Trump. Donald Trump made, Mitch McConnell says that there's going to be a vote on Gorsuch this week, and it's going to happen whether the Democrats like it or not, meaning that he seems to be willing to blow up the um, the filibuster so that they won't need 60 votes just to have the vote. And remember, you know, this idea that judges are always filibustered, this never happened before the Democrats started doing it. Before that, we had all these justices, um, Clarence Thomas, Justice Alito guys who were really controversial, but they got in with like 52, 58 votes and all this stuff. They didn't need the 60 votes to break the filibuster. And that's, this is a new thing that the Democrats added. And so if Mitch McConnell is threatening to blow it up, it's not like he's undoing the Constitution or anything like this. But listen to Donald Trump. Donald Trump gives this weekly address that, like all presidential addresses, nobody listens to. But here's, here's his argument for this incredibly qualified Supreme Court nominee. In recent years, we've seen more and more judges make decisions not based on the Constitution or the rule of law, but based on their preferences, their personal views, or even their political opinions. Each time a judge substitutes their own opinions for an unbiased reading of the law, they damage our democracy. They put their own will above the will of the people, and they undermine the legislative process that has always been the heartbeat of our democracy. The Senate will soon have the chance to help preserve our democratic institutions for our children by voting to confirm Judge Gorsuch to the Supreme Court. Judge Gorsuch is going to serve our people by devoting himself to our beloved Constitution. The Senate saw this firsthand in hours of Judge Gorsuch's impressive testimony. In every step of the process, what has been clear to all is that Judge Gorsuch is a man who respects the law. All right, so that's evil Donald Trump's, you know, argument that the guy interprets the Constitution as it's written. And here during the hearings, we played this before, but it is really worth playing again, is Dianne Feinstein questioning Gorsuch and, and saying that interpreting the Constitution as it's written is just bad, bad, bad. Judge Gorsuch has also stated that he believes judges should look to the original public meaning of the Constitution when they decide what a provision of the Constitution means. This is personal, but I find this originalist judicial philosophy to be really troubling. In essence, it means that judges and courts should evaluate our constitutional rights and privileges as they were understood in 1789. However, to do so would not only ignore the intent of the framers, that the Constitution would be a framework on which to build, 
but it severely limits the genius of what our Constitution upholds. So, so we have one side, Donald Trump, the evil Donald Trump, right, Russian spy, agent of Smirsch, is saying, interpret the Constitution as it's written. And the other side is saying, huh? What? But then, but then we can't do all this great stuff we want to do. I mean, who are the radicals here? The fact is, our radicals, there are radicals on the right, there are radical bad guys on the right. Our radicals live in the common section over at Breitbart. Their radicals live in the Senate and the White House. They, their radicals are in the top levels of government, and they pollute almost all of the mainstream press. All, all they want is to appoint a guy who is going to interpret the Constitution. You know, Emily Bazelon wrote a piece for the New York Times. And I always, I hate talking about Emily because Emily is my cousin and I love her to death. She is one of the sweetest, nicest human beings. Truly, she's just a great, great person. And I disagree with every word she says. And I'm sure she feels the exact same way about me. And I don't understand why she says the things she says. And I'm sure she feels exactly the same way. She's a wonderful person. But she writes this piece and she says that, that Judge Gorsuch is going to destroy government as we know it. She says, the reality is that Judge Gorsuch embraces a judicial philosophy that would do nothing less than undermine the structure of modern government, including the rules that keep our water clean, regulate the financial markets, and protect workers and consumers. In strongly opposing the administrative state, Judge Gorsuch is in the company of incendiary figures like the White House advisor Steve Bannon, who has called for its deconstruction. The Republican-dominated House has passed a bill designed to severely curtail the power of federal agencies. But the thing is, this is the argument that all the reason I wanted to read that is, is it's the argument that all leftists make, which is the argument that government does good things. Government can do good things. And we on the right know government can do good things. Kings can do good things. Fascist dictators can do, do, th- good, do, do good things. Mussolini made the trains run on time, you know, and people do. These agencies do good things. It matters how things get done. And when you have a president like Obama who took the administrative state and wielded it into a weapon because he couldn't get anything through the legislature and started to reinterpret, you know, they're ginning up all these hysteria, all this hysteria about things that uh, Trump is rolling back, like he's rolling back this uh, Internet privacy rule. And everybody's saying, oh, my God, we're going to lose our Internet privacy. First of all, the Internet privacy rules have not been instituted. So whatever he does, it's going to be exactly the same as it is right this moment. Second of all, the Internet privacy rules were an FCC power grab. Remember, they'd suddenly declared that the Internet was a uh, public utility. So they had the right to regulate it. And that's what he's rolling back. And those privacy rules, they didn't apply to Amazon. They didn't apply to Google. It was just a way of privileging the people that they liked. And that, and all the people are saying the same thing with the guy at the EPA. He was on with Chris Wallace the other day. And Chris Wallace was hammering him. If you roll back these EPA regulations, won't we all die of smoke inhalation? And, and the guy was saying, you know, we're committed to clean air and clean water, but we want to do it the right way. We want to do it through the legislature, not by the EPA suddenly saying, oh, you know, you're sink. It's a waterway. We get to regulate when you get to shave. You know, that that's the problem. We know government does good things, but it's got to do it the right constitutional way. And that's why we want guys like Neil Gorsuch. You know, the left thinks the left thinks that they're free when the government forces them to do things they would do anyway. But you're not free until the guy you disagree with is free to do what he wants to do. You know, that's that's what freedom is. Freedom is the guy who really annoys you being free to do what he wants to do. Not it's not being forced to do what you want to do anyway. That's a different definition. All right. Let us talk about 
Let us talk to Michael Knowles, our cultural correspondent and now one of the great writers of his generation. I think a man who has expressed in words the collective wisdom of his generation in his <laughs> book, Reasons to Vote for Democrats, a comprehensive guide, which is blank on every page. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's now. I saw on Twitter, tell me tell me this isn't true, please. I saw on Twitter that you now have a a book deal for for this blank book. Is this true? I don't just have a book deal. Okay. By the way, I've known about this now for two or three weeks. We've been planning this, these high-stakes negotiations. No joke, this blank book was sold at auction. So there were multiple big five publishers <laughs> yeah. that were bidding. They were fighting over the book. They were fighting over this book with, with pretty large sums of money. Uh, it was just announced today, it came out in Publishers Weekly, that uh, this book is sold now to Simon & Schuster, to threshold <laughs> the threshold imprint, yeah. Yeah. and uh, there will be a second edition that is going on uh, Amazon very shortly. I will say it's even blanker than the first. It's edition. even yeah. it's it's more concise. Yeah. It's more concise. <laughs> I've punched up the language infinitely, and uh, it's going on sale. I think today, or it'll ship you know in a week or two. So, as a man who has written many many books with words in it, and now you've caused him to regret my you've caused me to regret my entire <laughs> career. How much did you get? Uh, so th this is this. I really want to be able to say. Oh come on! Well, it, it, they're telling me that I'm not supposed to say what? how how much it is. Wait, this it, was an auction, right? This was this was bought at all. There were so, many bids that went into. So you this. got at least five figures for this book. I got at least five figures. Yeah, I got. You got six figures for I, a blank book. I can neither uh, confirm. I, I'm sorry. Nor I, I can't deny it. I, I, uh, Jay, <laughs> could we have a trap door <laughs> built yeah, under this guy's chair? I'm gonna get in trouble for a blank. Book. I'm gonna lose. My book deal now. Well, you haven't. This, you haven't well, said. You haven't said anything. You I, haven't given it away. I'm not confirming but or denying I, anything. I do hope that you are hit by a car as you go. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank and, you. Uh, it all started here. We did your, our first interview with you, and uh, just won a small cut. That's it all. did. I'm. I am happy to buy you a nice one-shot glass of Macallan 12. Just whatever yeah, you want. That's, yeah. that's six figures right there. That's, I think. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about this. You know, we were. T we started out talking about this thing with sex and how people young people are starting to notice that a feminist perspective is not in keeping with reality, basically. That's basically what they're saying. And the left is always saying, we hate science, that we're the ones who hate science. But it's them, isn't it? But, you know, but before we get into science, I will say on the sex thing, I don't know if you saw this piece in the New York Times, a former newspaper, over the weekend or last week. I try never to read it. But uh, millennials... Yeah, we saw, we talked about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're shifting back to traditional right. uh, values, you know? I mean, this is... Uh, like, for instance, in 1994, 42% uh, of people believed that the best family arrangement was one in which the husband was the financial earner. That that number has jumped to 58%. Yeah, no, we re I, I, read this this, like I read this at the opening, and I think it's, it, it's just the... It's the, it's reality coming back to bite people, right? It, that, I think that's what it is. I think it's reality will reassert so, itself so no matter what fantasies you're in. So what what do they what does the left mean when they talk about science? What are they talking about? So they're they're going to actually have a march for that's right. science. There's a march yeah. for science. I won't. I won't be, I, I, you know, I forgot. There's a march for science. We're that's supporting right. science. I, I'm for that. I'm like, yeah. What is it? So what is it supporting? This is so. <laughs> there are. I, I did a little research to prepare for the march on science <laughs> yeah, on okay. April 22nd. I yeah. can't wait to go. Uh, there, we actually don't have enough time to talk about all of the attacks that the left has made on science in, in so short a period of time. But I think we've, we've got to start with 
with the big one, especially because an inconvenient sequel by <laughs> Al Gore is coming out yeah, soon. Yeah. Um, let's just look at global warming, because as you'll notice, you're not underwater. I'm not underwater. <laughs> Life seems to be out. You're not starving. Uh, John Holdren, the chief science advisor to President Obama, in 2009, he predicted that global warming would cause the deaths of one billion people by 2020 and that sea levels would rise by 13 feet. Really? It better get going. It better, right. yeah. It's only like, like two <laughs> Can, and a half Do we years. get to pick the billion people, or are they just random? <laughs> yeah. Now, that same year, James Hansen, a top climate scientist, told President Obama, we only have four years left to save the Earth. Really? I am no math expert. <laughs> 2009 plus four. Yeah, I well, think, all right, we're living yeah. on borrowed time, I guess. <laughs> Here are some lies in the movie. This is okay. just from Al Gore's first okay. movie. Hopefully he'll correct them in an inconvenient sequel. Yes. He said the South Pole is disappearing. South Pole is currently gaining more ice and it's losing. CO2 is constantly rising, but there's been virtually no increase in temperature for nearly 19 years, huh. which throws some of his data into question. Uh, there, he uh, pointed to Hurricane Katrina. Uh, over over the years as evidence of global warming. We've had no F3-plus hurricane on U.S. soil since 2005. That's the longest drought of, of hurricanes, of major hurricanes uh, ever wow. recorded. Wow. Uh, F3-plus tornadoes are declining over 60 years, for the last 60 years. He said the poor polar bears are dying. There are more polar bears alive today than when <laughs> Al Gore was are, are, born. Are there really? There are more, more polar bears alive today. The polar bears are doing just fine. We Don't should worry. deliver some to his house. It's like, <laughs> right. Here's your polar bear. Well, yeah. we can deliver them to his brand new house in Montecito, California, on the beach. <laughs> I know. He lived right near me. Hmm. Was, that, th that place was so huge that energy used to just suck out of the air into his house <laughs> yeah. just to keep the lights on. I mean, <laughs> I, maybe I'm naive, but um, if you are worried and predicting that the sea levels are going to rise and drown you uh, within five Would you five move minutes. next to the would beach? Would you move to the beach? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't actually think of that. I don't think I would. I don't think I would. Um, you know, on and on. By the way, Al Gore, let's not forget, sold his TV channel that yes. nobody watched yeah. to, to Qatar, yeah. one of the most oil-soaked, <laughs> polluting, fossil fuel-creating countries in the world, for half a billion All right, so dollars. That's, that's their big science push. And then they have, what else do they have? What so, oh, we've got so much. Let's uh, let's look at DDT, right. a very famous environmentalist book Rachel Carson wrote in 1962. Won the Nobel Prize, I think. Won the Nobel Prize. DDT said that uh, the uh, Silent Spring implied that insecticides and pesticides like DDT were uh, killing the bald eagles, they were thinning the shells and killing the bald eagles. Bald eagles had been in danger since. Uh, 1921, long before DDT. There was a federal law protecting them in 1940 uh, from hunters and, uh, and people like that before uh, DDT. In 1960, at the peak of DDT use, the Audubon Society recorded there were 25% more bald eagles <laughs> than 20 they years love, before. They love the stuff. They, yeah. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service served heaping helpings of DDT to bald eagles in ca captivity for uh, 112 days. Oh. They concluded, quote, DDT residues encountered by eagles in the environment would not adversely affect eagles or their eggs. Wow. Nevertheless, the left persisted, and unfortunately, one of the great uses of DDT is, is uh, killing Scooters. mosquitoes yeah. that carry malaria. Yeah. 50 million people in Africa have died as a result of I, malaria needlessly. I, I know that. It's like 800,000 a year, I yeah. think, and a lot of them are kids. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, needlessly because yeah. of the left's war on science. Uh, I would love if we have a minute. We've got to show okay. this meeting of leftists. Do we have RFK talking to John Stewart about junk vaccine science? 
speaking out between uh, uh, about the link between autism and childhood vaccinations. Please welcome Robert F. Kennedy Jr. to the program. Robert. Autism rates at, in 1988, before they started adding all these vaccines, one in every 2,500 children had autism. Today, one in every 166 children have autism. And there is very, very strong science, really overwhelming science, linking those autism rates to the thimerosal that was in the vaccines. The thimerosal, people should know, has been removed from most of the vaccines we in America. We can get it there. All of that is nonsense. Really? That is all nonsense. The, the guy who authored that study has been totally discredited. <laughs> He's been thrown out of academia. There was, it's never been replicated. Total nonsense. Wow. Now, some might say there are anti-vax kooks on the right. That's true. But most of them are on the left. 50% of the students in Marin County, California, by San Francisco, are not vaccinated. Wow. Uh, 78% wow. of that county voted for Obama. That trend holds in a, in a lot of very far-left wow. counties. Wow. Um, just going through really quickly. I, I want to stop and just ask you the one that matters to me. Mom. What about secondhand smoke? Second, this one matters. This is this <laughs> yeah, you, near <laughs> and dear to our hearts. This is, by the way, folks, this is the, the time when, when Knowles is on the show is the only time he is not smoking a cigar. Okay, this is that like, is true. That we we only have him on to try and keep him alive a few more days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this one is my favorite one because I believed this. I was a child of the '90s. I grew up hearing yeah. that if you, I, I grew up hearing about thirdhand smoke. That's a guy smokes, then it gets into someone else's clothes. Then you smell someone else's clothes. That's thirdhand smoke. Secondhand smoke, uh, after decades of public uh, PSA campaigns, has been shown to have no statistically significant link to mortality and lung cancer Nothing. specifically. Nothing. That's from the Journal of the National Cancer Institute. Um, one of the reasons that this became a, a craze and a scientific fad is there were a few studies of very tiny communities that showed that if they banned smoking in their one local bar, uh, heart disease rates declined or lung cancer rates declined massively. But we're talking about really tiny sample sizes, mm. statistically insignificant sample sizes. What we've now learned from, from repeated studies, 2008, 2012, 2014, 2016, and crucially, a meta-analysis from 2013, is that as the sample size increases, the correlation decreases. And what That's we've funny. learned is at the largest sample sizes, there is no statistically significant <laughs> correlation whatsoever. I, why, does, why does the left hate science? All right, I got to stop you there. But uh, listen, congratulations on your book deal, you miserable scum. And uh, <laughs> Let's go have a cigar after to celebrate. Yeah, go have a cigar. And I'm just going to stand next to you and breathe in the secondhand smoke because it's much, much better for you. All right. Uh, stuff I like. You know, I, um, I saw uh, silence last night, but I think I'll wait till tomorrow to talk about that so I have more time. Holy Week is coming up, and you know it's Holy Week because I won't be here because I'm always, you know, Holy Week can't take place unless I'm off doing stuff. No, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, I, but I am going on vacation next week. So I wanted to talk about some good religious stuff. And I want to start, you got to start with C.S. Lewis, the screw tape letters. If you have never read the screw tape letters, they are really brilliant. They are a demon teaching, they were a mentor demon teaching a young demon how to corrupt human beings. And I, I brought with me, well, when I was at the prayer breakfast in Washington, I met an actor named Max McLean, who has made a career out of bringing C.S. Lewis to the stage. Great guy, just a terrific guy. His wife was absolutely lovely, and we just we had a, a, a couple of drinks together, and uh, really interesting. And I've seen, I haven't seen Max do the screw tape, 
screw tape letters, but I have seen his company's production of it. And it really is delightful. But you can read the book. The book is just a, a hundred laughs. Here is Max McLean as screw tape explaining how, since we've been talking about sex all day, explaining how the devil can create tastes in men that distract him from what his love relationship is supposed to be. Oh, it is the business of these great masters to produce in every age a misdirection in what may be called sexual taste. This they do by working through the small circle of popular artists, designers, and actresses who determine the fashionable type. The aim is to guide your patient away from those with whom spiritually healthy, happy, and fertile marriages are most likely. At one time... We directed the male taste to the statuesque, aristocratic beauty. Mixing men's vanity with their desires. At another, we selected an exaggeratedly feminine type. Fate, languishing. So that folly, cowardice, and general falseness were at premium. At present, we're on the opposite tact. We now teach men to like women whose bodies are scarcely distinguishable from those of boys. It's a great book. You've read that. You've read oh, this. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. a great book. Screw tape. It's that's what's called the Screw Tape Letters, right? Yeah, by uh, the great C.S. Lewis. Good religious stuff. I like going into Holy Week and toward Easter. Holy Week ends with Easter. And we will continue until my vacation when you will be plunged into darkness, uh, a Clavenless week of darkness. So hold on. You should listen to these shows twice as we go forward. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. We will talk again tomorrow.